0: Welcome to ADHD Crash Course. Today, we're gonna to take a look at a cycle that is often referred to in therapy, in coaching. People have different names for this cycle. I've heard it called the self-coaching model or the poor belief cycle or the cognitive triad, behavior iceberg, all kinds of different terms for what's basically a cycle of our beliefs and our thoughts, our emotions, Our actions and our results, and how these things kind of loop together, and we can get stuck. Or, uh, you know, on a positive side, we can make changes by looking at kind of disrupting some place in this cycle. And so, really quickly, I know some of you probably are already familiar with this thought, belief action cycle but I'm going to break down the components so we can take a look at this and apply it to real life so imagine you have a situation a circumstance that happens and we're going to run it through this belief thought emotion cycle I'm going to give you an example right away so we don't have to deal with this as as kind of a nebulous concept we can apply it let's say you get an email from your boss saying that she needs to talk to you tomorrow that's a circumstance in itself it doesn't it's not good it's not bad that's the information you have Your boss wants to speak with you tomorrow morning. Now we're gonna run this through the cycle. Some people see the circumstance as the first part of this cycle. Um, Some people see that your beliefs about the circumstance is the first part. We're gonna start with the beliefs, okay? Your beliefs about this circumstance that your boss is asked to speak to in the morning are the first part of this cycle. How you view yourself, how you view your work environment, your capabilities, your boss, all of these beliefs that you already carry are going to impact the thoughts that come up when this situation happens, when your boss requests this meeting. If you are someone who has the belief that you are capable, that your boss is a great person, that you're in the right fit for your work, if you've had lots of great experiences that have influenced your beliefs, you are very likely to have some positive thoughts about the circumstance that, that is neither positive or negative as it stands your thoughts about this are going to probably be on the positive side. If you have beliefs that a boss asking to speak to you is never a good thing, that you're not doing a great job, that you're not capable, the boss isn't friendly, whatever beliefs you're bringing to your circumstances, if those are your beliefs, they're gonna generate less than positive thoughts in this situation. So the first part of this cycle is our beliefs about ourselves, the world, all of it. And then the second part is the thoughts that are directly impacted by what we believe to be true. The third part of this cycle after our beliefs and our thoughts are emotions. If my boss has said, hey, I need to talk with you in the morning, and my core belief is that I'm not cut out for this job. My boss is kind of a jerk. I am very uncertain about my performance at work. My thoughts might go right to, I'm getting fired, right? This is, this is the end. There's nothing good could come out of this, that is going to generate emotion. I'm going to be afraid, nervous, maybe I'm going to spiral right into self-criticism before I even have any feedback. You are going to have emotions. On, on the flip side, if what I'm expecting is a great meeting where I get a promotion, I might be excited, happy, energetic, because my thoughts are triggering these emotions. And so the third part of this cycle is one we know very well, those of us who struggle regulating our emotions, that our emotions are going to impact our actions. So in the example of this mystery meeting with my boss, if I think that's gonna be a negative meeting, if I'm not excited about that, and I have all these thoughts and emotions that are swirling around, it's going to trigger an action. Now, avoiding something can be an action. So maybe I'm gonna go into flat-out flea mode and uh, not respond to the email and pretend I didn't see it. Maybe my action's gonna be looking for another job. I'm so sure that I'm gonna lose my job in this situation. Or I'm so confident that this is gonna turn out well that I start shopping for what I'm going to spend my bonus on. And so these actions that we take then directly impact the kind of results and outcomes that we get. If my boss really did need to speak to me and I'm avoiding meeting and I'm putting that off, that's going to impact my relationship with my boss, the way I'm seeing work. Those actions are gonna generate outcomes the last part of this cycle. So when we want to make changes, we often interrupt some part of this cycle. Some people go right to the beliefs and they look at things like mantras and, and those kind of tools to help shift their beliefs about things, focusing on what they would like to believe in a situation rather than what they currently believe. Now, that probably works for some people. That has never been very effective for me. So that's probably not where I would choose to try to interrupt this cycle if I wanna make a change. I'm probably gonna pick a different area. And so what area will I pick? What part of the cycle will I pick? And I think you have a couple options here. I think probably the most common approach is gonna be to interrupt the cycle at the thought level, which is good. This is a good exercise to do, to take, this is what cognitive behavioral therapy does. You take a thought, And you push back on that thought, like the thought that I'm going to lose my job. What evidence do I actually have? Let's put this thought on trial. What evidence do I have that I'm going to lose my job? Could there be another reason for this meeting? What was my last performance review like? What have I been doing well? Just looking at the facts instead of what my current beliefs generate in the way of thoughts. You know, if we're looking at this and we're trying to label this cognitive distortion that's popped up for me, this distorted thought that is, I'm going to lose my job, that is fortune telling that's catastrophizing that is mind reading there's some labels i can put on this thought to kind of put it in its place and get a little distance from me in this thought this is not reality this is my thought about a circumstance so if we want to disrupt this cycle this is one place we can do it but let me add a little something here something that might be helpful for those of us with adhd in order to do this kind of work I have to be more or less regulated in my nervous system. I have to be regulating my emotions. If I'm dysregulated emotionally, guess what happens? I am no longer in a place of logic, decision making observing, noticing, I have moved into a place of automatic reactions to things. And so for some of us, that kind of cognitive work of pushing back on our thoughts is just not available when we're really dysregulated. It doesn't mean that it's never available. It just means that that may not be for this circumstance where I can disrupt the cycle. I may not be able to do the thought work. I might have to do regulation tools to bring my nervous system level down. That might be where I influence this cycle. And sometimes I see this really get oversimplified, especially as a coaching model, where that part's just not being acknowledged, that we're not always in that place for this kind of work. And that if you deal with emotional regulation, that that may be the piece you need to deal with first in a circumstance before you're looking at thoughts, before you're looking at your beliefs, just getting to a safe and steady place so you can influence other things. I have a group coaching program that runs about eight weeks, and one of the last things that we work work on is the the week on thoughts and beliefs and this whole cycle from a thought approach not because I don't think it's a valuable tool I think it's a really valuable tool but the week on emotional regulation comes first in my group because that piece allows you to do the thought work that piece also allows people to slow down before they choose the action yeah the emotion absolutely impacts the action If we can put a little bit more space in the cycle so the emotion has time just to ride itself out a little bit before you're acting, that's gold. In one of my groups, we were kind of looking at this cycle, at this model, and one of my members said, Danae, sometimes the action causes the emotion. It's not about my beliefs or my thoughts about the action. The circumstances causes the emotion. On some level, I agree with her and i did agree with her right like sometimes you have a body reaction to a situation but your thoughts are absolutely a part of that right if somebody comes up and punches me while i'm having lunch with my friend my thoughts emotions and responses are going to be different than if i got punched if i was a professional boxer actually i kind of wondered do you get angry when you get punched as a boxer Like, is it a body reaction that just happens or do your thoughts influence it enough where you don't feel angry and it's all about strategy? If you are a boxer or you know a boxer, now I really do kind of want to know. I don't think that's something I can Google. So message me and let me know if you get angry when you get punched. But broadly speaking, we can assume that the thoughts and the beliefs and actions I'm going to have as somebody who's, you know, eating with a friend is going to be pretty different than somebody. This is their job and a part of their job. The same circumstance, not a pleasant experience, but it's going to get filtered through my thoughts and my beliefs. They're going to trigger emotions and then comes the action. Now I wanted to talk about interrupting this cycle at the action level because this is an option too. And some of us kind of cringe with this, right? Because if you have ADHD and you've heard a lot of uh, just do it, just do the thing in your life. This is something that can be really frustrating, especially if you're struggling with motivation and having someone say, well, just do it, just pull the trigger and do it. And so I really want to separate what I'm gonna say from that mentality. The just do it mentality is not so helpful, not for me and, and not for the people I work with. But there is a time that we can look at this action and make an action decision even if our thoughts and emotions aren't lining up with the action. Still take some awareness of your thoughts and your emotions. It's not going to be totally independent of that. But let's say my previous example that I'm having the thoughts that this meeting with my boss is going to be horrible and that she's going to let me go and the emotions fear that's, that's coming out and anxiety. So I'm going to check my facts and see if my emotions fit the facts. Real quick, I'm not gonna to try to change the thoughts. I'm not gonna to try to change the emotions. I'm just gonna do a real quick scan and see does the evidence I have fit the emotions. If it does and my emotions are helpful, they're moving me towards an action that's gonna help me, Okay, you know, then I, I go that direction. If the emotions aren't helpful to me or aren't really lining up with the facts, then I choose to do the opposite action. So, the example of this meeting that I want to avoid and run from, instead I just send a message right back. I confirm that we're meeting and ask her if there's anything that she wants me to have ready for our meeting. It's the opposite of what my emotions are are pushing me to do. Now, obviously that's not easy to do. That's hard to do, but that kind of framework of saying, yes, I acknowledge that emotion that's here. I'm just going to choose to do the opposite of what it's telling me is an approach. It's actually a DBT, a dialectical behavioral uh, approach called opposite action. You're going to do the opposite action of what your emotion is kind of triggering you to do, which is another way that you kind of interrupt this cycle. Now another action strategy that sometimes used that sounds similar to this, but it's a, it has a little bit different rationale is behavioral activation. A strategy that's used um, often in depression, where you're gonna choose to do something in order to generate the emotion. You're going to choose to do something that you used to love to do, even though you're dealing with depression for the purpose of generating positive emotion. You're not it's not a just do it mindset you're choosing the action you're kind of going in the opposite direction of this cycle you are choosing the action to impact the emotion so you're going in the other direction intentionally it's not the kind of insensitive just do it mindset it's a strategic approach to influencing an emotion by targeting an action so there are two different approaches if you want to interrupt this cycle by looking at actions so no matter what you call this cycle this belief thought emotion action, result, cycle. Understanding that relationship that each of these have with each other, understanding how to go both directions in the cycle. You can impact emotions with your thoughts. You can also impact them with your actions. I think in the beginning of this podcast, I said that my personal experience is that I have not had a lot of success with just focusing on beliefs without doing this other work on the rest of the cycle but the good news is at least for me and for a lot of people is that the work throughout this cycle working on challenging thoughts working on the regulation of emotions working sometimes on choosing an action that doesn't line up with either one absolutely has impacted the kind of results that i've gotten and therefore it's impacted my beliefs and so this is, can be a very positive cycle when you start making a change anywhere in it on So let's take another example and run it through this cycle. So we have some real life example of how you apply this and how you can make some changes anywhere in the cycle. I'm going to use a real life example. We're going to name this person, Ann, somebody that I've worked with in the past who was doing an amazing job working with me in building kind of a morning routine, morning schedule that she wanted to have better control over time, less chaos, and just have some more ease in her life. She had been killing it and doing a fantastic job. What happened? Well, life happened. She has young kids, they got sick, she got sick, husband got sick, everybody went down in flames. And about a week after all of this chaos, she still was struggling getting back to the routines that mattered to her, the things that she had really grooved into a habit or thought she grooved into a habit and she was so frustrated. So that's a circumstance. Circumstance is she was really on top of her routines and her schedule kids got sick. Now it's hard. Those are the facts but her beliefs about herself and her capabilities, these beliefs that have been formed and reinforced by all kinds of her life experiences and feedback that she's received up until now, those beliefs generate a bunch of thoughts about this circumstance. The kind of thoughts that she eventually shared with me was that this is too hard, that she's never gonna be able to make these changes. She always does this. She always drops the ball. She can never last when it comes to changes. All of this narrative, all of these thoughts that were not helpful to her at all, and they were all based on her beliefs that she was bringing to this circumstance already. It had nothing to do with her now. This had to do with her history. So even noticing that these are thoughts and not facts is a big step. It's a big part of this to realize that as true as this may feel to her, it's not a fact. It's simply not. The circumstances are facts her thoughts that she's never gonna be different, the change isn't possible for her, that's not a fact. Those are the thoughts that are popping up automatically. And so how do we push back on a thought that feels so real, that feels so true to this person? And what i found is that you don't necessarily push back on a thought like this by just throwing out the opposite. That to me is sometimes what people do with mantras, not always, but they throw out an opposite thought that doesn't even land for this person at all. And that's just not probably going to stick. And so what we do is we look at this thought and we look at the evidence for it. We look at the evidence against it. It's like it's going on trial. So she has some evidence that supports these thoughts that are popping up for her. She has experiences of, of not being able to maintain this. But what her evidence is kind of lacking is the things that have changed. She didn't even have her ADHD diagnosis then. She had no support. She did not understand how her brain worked. And so she was doing the same thing over and over. Now we know a lot more. Now she knows a lot more about how her brain works and how to support it. And that these kind of bumps are actually really normal and natural. It's still frustrating. It's still frustrating that it's harder for her to get back to her habits. It's harder for her to return to those things than maybe somebody that she sees doing that with ease, but it's it's not a prediction that she can't do this. It's not a judgment on herself or her character or her, her morals or anything. This is just working with the brain that she has. And so we looked at just gathering some other evidence that countered this automatic thought that she couldn't do, this wasn't possible for her. Before we did that, we labeled the kind of thoughts she was having. These were all or nothing thoughts. These were kind of fortune, future telling thoughts. We put some labels on the thoughts that were popping up to show that they were distorted. They weren't balanced thoughts. So that is some ways that we kind of interrupted this at the thought level. Now let's say that she felt really too emotional to do this thought work, that she was super dysregulated emotionally and needed to choose that place to kind of interrupt this cycle, this thought emotion action cycle. Then using some of those emotional regulation tools that we've discussed before, things like sensory strategies, breathing, Even mindfulness activities, sometimes for people with ADHD, mindfulness needs to be moving mindfulness. It's not necessarily going to be sitting and noticing. You might prefer a mindful walk where you're just really tuning in on sensory input for a walk or sensory input while you wash dishes or something that is just dropping you back to just noticing sensory input Um, using sensory strategies like proprioceptive and vestibular input i've talked about this in an earlier episode about sensory strategies If if you want to look more for those kind of tools you can listen to that episode because you can use those tools to help bring your nervous system level down and calm either just to calm so you're have a little bit more space before you take an action or to calm enough to go back and do some of the thought work but you can interrupt that cycle with regulation tools do you think that's the most helpful place to start let's look at how to interrupt this at the action level so she has these thoughts that she is failing at this that it's never going to be different what kind of emotions is that going to generate shame frustration anger anger embarrassment because she's working with me and we're going to touch base about where she is with all of this. And so what actions come after these emotions or come with these emotions? If you're feeling all these emotions and you have a call scheduled with your coach, what's the action that is likely here? For a lot of us, it's going to be avoiding It's going to be, I'm not touching base. I'm going to make an excuse not to meet because I didn't do anything. And it's going to be avoiding the situation rather than pressing in. And so if we want to look at interrupting this at the action level, we can acknowledge that you don't want to meet with your coach right now. You don't want to talk about it because all these emotions are coming up for you. But doing opposite action, doing the opposite of what you feel like doing is reaching out before your meeting and just being honest and saying, hey, this is not going the way I planned. So rather than taking a step back, you're taking a step forward. That's very hard to do if you're dealing with shame because shame is one of those emotions that shuts you down and and absolutely triggers you to remove yourself, to get away from people. Brene Brown talks about this in a lot of her shame research and her shame work, that shame is an emotion that's going to isolate you. You're going to pull back and that you pressing in is one of the best ways that you can come against that kind of destructive pattern. So wrapping up, if you find yourself frustrated by an outcome, by a result that you're getting, take a look at this loop, take a step back and see if there's a place that you can take action anywhere in this loop that makes sense to you. It it could be emotional regulation tools. It could be pushing back on your thoughts. It could be choosing opposite actions when you're dealing with motivation or shutdown or avoidance. Having awareness of this cycle and seeing the way each one of these things impacts each other can be a super powerful tool for you and allow you to make changes that you want to make in your life. So that's all for today. If you wanted to get more regulation tools and you're interested in some of the sensory strategies, I do have a free training on my website, www.theadhdclaritycoach.com. It goes into sensory tools and things that you can use for emotional regulation. It's completely free. If you are interested in that, go check it out. And that's it for this week. And we'll see you next time.